our service tonight. And thank you all for returning to our evening service. We are continuing our study in the life of Paul, emphasizing more of his character and uh, really trying to get a greater sense of what made the Apostle Paul click, if you will. And uh, we had mentioned that prior to his salvation, that which motivated him in his religious activities and work was really a desire to please men, he says. But uh, after he came to know Christ, his desire was to please God, as opposed to please men. And uh, we look tonight at an application of that in a rather unique way, and uh, try to get a sense of what, again, is going on in the life of Paul, and perhaps learn some things from this as well. So introduction. Tonight we're going to speak, seek to gain a perspective on the contributing factors to the dispute that arose between Barnabas and Paul concerning Mark on the second missionary journey. Um, this is a defining moment in both the ministry of Paul and also in his personal life. So a few background observations as we think about this dispute. The first is that this dispute and eventual split occurs in the midst of a very fine church filled with gifted men. Uh, the church, the scripture has very little uh, to say in a negative way about uh, the church that is sending out Paul and Barnabas. In fact, it has a lot of good things to say and lists a number of godly individuals that are there. So there's a good church behind them. Second, this dispute and eventual split occurs between two very godly and mature individuals. I'm not going to go uh, into all the verses that would demonstrate that, but uh, we can take that for granted. I think you know the stories of the life of Barnabas and uh, Paul, and we would say, now here are two spiritually mature people, here are two very godly individuals, and yet they are going to have a rather uh, intense disagreement. And so I think it's important to realize that, that disagreements can happen even in good churches, even between very godly and mature people. Third, this dispute and eventual split occurs between two individuals that had gone back a long way, had a mutual concern for each other, and had a wealth of significant events to bind them together. Now I'll look at some of those events and some of those activities, but these were friends. And they were more than just friends, they were co-workers. And they had ministered to each other, and they ministered to others. Uh, so these weren't just passing acquaintances that didn't get along. But these were people who had shouldered the work and had ministered side by side. And then fourthly, this dispute and eventual split does not occur over doctrine. We saw where Paul took on Peter because of 
Peter's hypocrisy regarding circumcision, and Paul saw the gospel at stake. It's interesting that in this dispute, the gospel's not at stake. There's not even a major doctrine at stake. There's not even a minor doctrine at stake. There's a difference in methodology. There's a difference in perspective that I want to unpack tonight. So first, we're going to get a perspective on the occasion that led to the dispute and eventual split between Paul and Barnabas. And that is Paul's decision to embark on a second missionary journey. So God had clearly directed the efforts of Barnabas and Paul on the first journey. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So God had established this first missionary journey, if you will, but this next trip seemed to come at Paul's own initiative. Acts 15, 36, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, this is after they had returned, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. This was an application and follow-up of the initial call. So they're going to go back to the same churches and see how these people are doing. It appears that Barnabas agreed with that idea. The purpose of this second missionary trip was agreed upon. The scope of the trip was agreed upon. Let us return and visit the brothers to every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord. And the purpose of the trip was agreed upon. End of verse 36. And see how they are. So that's pretty straightforward, and they're on board. The point of disagreement was overtaking Mark with them on the trip. Barnabas was adamant about taking Mark with them. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. Uh, I don't think that's translated strongly enough. That just kind of speaks about a desire. King James I think is better, where it says Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. A decision was made, and it was made by Barnabas, that they're going to take Mark with them. And he had made that decision unilaterally, but it was a decision that uh, was non-negotiable. However, Paul disagreed with taking Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia. So there's the core of the dispute. So now let's get some background and dynamics. Uh, a history, if you will, that leads up to this. Initially, on the first missionary journey, Barnabas was in charge. Going back to their beginning, Barnabas had introduced Saul to the apostles. And when he, that is Saul, came to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas runs interference for Saul. Saul was suspect. Uh, here he was, he was a persecutor of the church, uh, he was a scoundrel, and now he is showing up as a disciple of Jesus Christ, and the church at Jerusalem wasn't buying it. 
Uh, after all, they had suffered the most at the hands of Saul. But Barnabas sides with Saul and sees that the church is not accepting him, so Saul goes to the, uh, excuse me, Barnabas goes to the apostles and uh, puts in a good word for Saul. He sponsors Saul, if you will, to the apostles. Barnabas had been sent by the apostles to Antioch to assist the new believers there. Acts 11, 21 to 22. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and it Great number who believed turned to the Lord. The report of this came to the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. So here it is, the, the, the apostles here of many people in Antioch coming to faith, and uh, they're going to need to be discipled. They're going to need to be matured. And so they dispatched Barnabas to go and minister to the people at Antioch. Barnabas then sought Saul to help him. Verse 25, so Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. Saul, at this point, is not ministering. He's back home. And he brought him, that is, Barnabas brought Saul to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Barnabas began as the leader on the first missionary journey. Now, there were in Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. Saul's at the bottom of the list. Remember, uh, God had said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work. Barnabas in charge. In Acts 13, 7, it says, He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who, certain, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. Up until this point, it's always Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. However, a dramatic change takes place. Saul is for the first time called Paul. Now, I've been messing you up because I've been calling him Paul all along. But up until this point, he's been Saul, and this is when it changes. It doesn't change his conversion. It changes in the middle of this missionary journey. But Saul, who also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. <clears throat> B, at this time, Paul assumes the leadership of the group. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos. So now we move from Barnabas to Paul to not only Paul and Barnabas, but Paul and his companions. Uh, he's the new head honcho, and everybody else is now tagging along and helping in the ministry. It is also at this point that Mark goes home. Now, Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John left them and returned to Jerusalem. I gave you this verse to demonstrate that the John that left is the Mark that we're talking about. And Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. Okay, so you've got to keep, just like Cephas and Peter, just like Saul and Paul, you've got to keep John and Mark together. 
The scripture does not tell us why Mark left at this point. Was it due to the change of leadership? We don't know. Uh, what, what it was, we don't have an inkling. However, we do know that Paul found fault with Mark's having left, Acts 15, 38. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and not gone with them to the work. So Paul didn't think he should have gone home. And Paul sees him as bailing out on the work that they had to do. Number two, a perspective on the issues surrounding the split between Barnabas and Paul. The main issue, again, was whether to take Mark with them on the next trip. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark, and Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Uh, I should have had the verse in there about Paul not wanting to take him. The different personalities of Barnabas and Paul are very important to understand. Barnabas is a real people person. Thus Joseph, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So here is Joseph, whose name changes to Barnabas. Now we've got a bunch of name changes. Saul to Paul, uh, John to Mark, and Joseph to Barnabas. And it tells us that it was the apostles who gave Barnabas his name. And so that we don't miss out, the scriptures even translate what Barnabas means. And that is son of encouragement. So if you ever found an encourager, if you ever found a people person, if you ever found an individual that was concerned about other people, it was Barnabas. Remember, he's the one who started the whole process of selling all his goods in order to give it away and just gave it to the apostles and said, distribute it as, as you want. Uh, he is off the charts relationally. Barnabas put relationships above, above principle. In Galatians 2.12, and we looked at this passage last time, for before certain men came from James, he, that is Peter, was eating with the Gentiles, but when they came he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party, and the rest of the Jews acted hip, hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led away by the hypocrisy. And the emphasis is even Barnabas. For Barnabas knew better. Barnabas understood all about circumcision and the full acceptance of the Gentiles. He had been ministering to the Gentiles. But when push came to shove, Barnabas sided with Peter rather than siding with what he knew to be the truth of the gospel. That was part of who he was. Paul put principle above relationships. But when I saw their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? Okay, so uh, he had no problem in taking Peter on. <laughs> he wasn't worried about offending Peter. Uh, he called him out in front of everyone for his greatest concern was the truth of the gospel and its purity. So the issue at stake. Paul wanted to do what was best for the churches. 
For notice in verse 36, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. So Paul's concern is, how are these churches doing? But Paul thought not best to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and not gone with them to the work. So Paul is concerned about how the churches are going to respond to Mark, who had left the work. All right. It seems to me the concern is, what kind of example is Mark going to be? We're going to these churches that are experiencing persecution. We're going to these churches that are experiencing hardship. And we're going to be encourage them to be faithful to God. And we're going to bring Mark along, who they all know, bailed out. Paul doesn't think that's a wise thing to do. Barnabas wanted to do what was best for Mark. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Mark also was a cousin to Barnabas. And that might have been a factor as well. I don't know. But in Colossians 4.10, it tells us, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. So they're cousins. So there's family issues here as well. Okay? He knows Mark better than Paul knows Mark. He has a vested interest in Mark in a way in which Paul doesn't have a vested interest in Mark. And you can see the grounds of they're coming at this problem from vastly different bases. Three, we're not to see a hard and fast difference here. Paul certainly cared about people. All right, uh, Paul talks about how uh, if it were possible, he would give his very life for the salvation of others. Uh, Paul cared about people. But as you read the New Testament, you, you, don't, you don't get the feel that, that Paul was warm and fuzzy. Um, again, his personality, when you, you think of being a persecutor of the church, when you think of all the things that he had done in the past, uh, uh, not warm and fuzzy, but he certainly cared about people. Barnabas was concerned for the churches. Okay, we're not, we're not talking about absolute dichotomies here. Uh, certainly Barnabas cared about these believers and wanted to see them walking with the Lord. So we're not talking about hard and fast differences, but we're talking about a significant difference in personality. But the emphases were different for the two of them. The disagreement became so intense that Paul and Barnabas split over it. The dispute was intense, and there rose a sharp disagreement, so they separated from each other. When it says that they, there arose such a sharp disagreement, the, the tense of this verb tells us that this went on for a while. This isn't like they had a showdown and they made a decision, but they were arguing back and forth over this for a while. We should take them? No, we shouldn't. We should take them? No, we shouldn't. We shouldn't take them? Yes, we should. And it's escalating. And it's getting hotter. And it's getting more fervent. And both of them are digging in their heels. 
And they get to the place where there's no compromise. How do you compromise? And so they decided that they're just going to part ways. And Barnabas and Paul split over the decision so that they separated from each other. They go in two different ways. Uh, they split. So perspective on the outcome of the dispute. Who took the right position? All right, that's one thing that's always interesting to find out. Well, it's impossible to go back and litigate the positions. Uh, we, we can't go back and understand all that is involved in this decision-making process. We can't understand. We don't know what the arguments were. We don't know what Paul said. We don't know what Barnabas said. Uh, we can't relitigate it. There's not enough information for us to weigh the pros and cons of the two positions. However, we do know whose side the church supported. The church supported Paul's decision not to take Mark. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So the church sided with Paul. Uh, I think that's significant, for the church was aware of the issues. The church did hear the dispute. The church made a decision. And we can't second guess that decision. So I put a lot of weight to that. How did it turn out? How did it turn out for Paul and the churches? We know that Paul had a successful trip. We know that went well. How did it turn out for Barnabas? Barnabas is not mentioned again. So we have no information concerning his ministry. But I would caution us in the way in which we understand that statement. Uh, the scripture follows Paul and his work. Uh, doesn't mean that Barnabas wasn't used of God. Doesn't mean that Barnabas wasn't ministering. Uh, think about it. Uh, the 11 original apostles. Um, we know nothing from the scriptures of what Thomas is doing, uh, of what Mark is doing, of, of what the other apostles are doing. You know, it, it focuses on Peter. It focuses in on on uh, Paul. We know a little bit about James, but we don't know much about what's going on with the others. So silence doesn't mean condemnation, but we just don't know anything more about, about Barnabas. How does it turn out for Mark? Mark goes on to be used of the Lord. Colossians 4.10. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you until Mark uh, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Uh, so now, uh, he's being commended to the church at Colossae. And if he comes to you, take him in. Appreciate him. Uh, follow the instructions that I've given you. Who writes the book of Colossians? Paul. What kind of relationship did Paul and Mark have after this? Paul appreciates Mark and they work together again. 2 Timothy 4.11. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you for he is very useful to me for the ministry. It has a happy ending. They get back together. They work together. And Paul says he's useful to me for the, for the ministry. Application. Okay. Um, 
How do you put all of this together? Uh, the scripture just tells us what happens, but doesn't give us any insight into what takes place. But I would, I would caution us as we think about how the Spirit of God works. Um, what I mean by that is the Spirit of God is at work in this situation. And the Spirit of God is at work in Barnabas's life and in Paul's life and in Mark's life. And the work gets done and Mark is ministered to. And there's a lot of good that comes out of even this split and this, this dispute. It's an interesting situation. But again, reading through the lines, one thing that we do know is that Barnabas did not poison Mark against Paul. Uh, he did not seek to breed a bitterness or hatred in Mark's life for Paul. You know, they didn't go off and Barnabas say to him, you know that rotten scoundrel, Paul, uh, he doesn't like you. He wouldn't take you. I don't know who he thinks he is. I used to be in charge. Now he's taken over and look what he's doing and all this other stuff. Barnabas doesn't poison Mark. There's an aspect of spiritual maturity. There's a, this aspect of being a people person in, in the right perspective. Okay, So that he actually ministers to Mark and helps foster a faithfulness and a maturity and so on in the life of, of Mark. He is an encouragement to him. He does help him and obviously directs him back to Paul as well. Okay? Second observation. The ministries of Barnabas and Paul are quite different. When Barnabas is sent to Antioch, the church sends Barnabas to Antioch because there are new believers there. And they are Hellenists and they are Gentiles. They are the riffraff, if you will, for the Jewish people. But they know that Barnabas is going to take these people in. Barnabas is going to nurture them. Barnabas is going to help them. Barnabas is going to encourage them. But Barnabas also knows that he needs help in teaching the scriptures to these people. And so he leaves and finds Saul to come back and to teach for this year and help discipling them. So what I'm saying to you is they have two very different ministries. One's the encourager, people person, the other's the teacher the instructor. Uh, those different personalities, as well as those different ministries, tend to affect the way they view these decisions. It also helps us understand why Barnabas waffled when Peter 
started the hypocrisy about, about circumcision. Uh, Barnabas not only didn't have the backbone to stand up, I don't think he had the, the theological background to stand up, to take on a Peter. Uh, we talked about how God had trained Saul in the scriptures, how he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, etc., etc. So their ministries were vastly different, which led to this dispute and difference. But in the goodness and sovereignty of God, we can see how both individuals were used of God, how both of their ministries were effectual, Paul to the churches, Barnabas to Mark, and Barnabas to other Christians, and together the work gets done. Um, I don't know how profitable this study is, except to say that it's helpful when we are in the midst of disagreements and disputes, that we are sensitive to two things, okay? First of all, the differences in personalities. Uh, people look at situations, and there are the kinds of people that tend to follow the rules, and the rules are more important than the people. And then there are people that the people are far more important than the rules, okay? That's going to create loggerheads, time and time again. We just have to know the difference in those personalities. And together we try to work through them, but at some points there are real impasses. Okay? So understand the difference in personalities. Second, understand the difference in ministries. Uh, there are some that people that are very active, that are that are very much in help ministries, service ministries, they look at ministry a whole lot different than those that are primarily the teachers and the proclaimers. Uh, they look at activities, they look at what we should be doing, and there's many times disagreements as to how the ministry ought to go forward. What is the most significant element of the work. How should it be performed? Okay. Um, God uses both people. God uses both kinds of ministries. Uh, one of the aspects of spiritual maturity is to understand that it's okay for us to be different in our personalities. It's okay for us to be different in our ministries. And before God, we have to do what's right. And I would submit to you that both of them are to be commended because they stuck to their guns. And in reality, then, both were used of God. Mark was restored. The churches were ministered to. It would have been nice if God would have declared himself on the issue. God, by revelation, on the first missionary journey, said... Set apart Saul and Barnabas for the work. God is silent on this issue. No revelation. No sovereign decree. Just Christians left to work it out on their own. And that's how most disputes have to be settled. It would be nice. Sometimes 
We have the authoritative word of God where we can look and find a specific portion of scripture that really does accurately address the dispute. And so we have an objective standard to point to and then we can make a determination. But many, many times there is no portion of scripture that says you need to do it this way or you need to make that decision. And so then you have people that have strong convictions about what ought to be done. And they follow their hearts. But what is wonderful is that there is this reconciliation that takes place. And uh, Paul is not too proud to acknowledge the change in Mark's behavior, conduct, growth, whatever the case may be. But Paul recognizes now that he is ready and useful for the work. And Paul invites him and even dispatches him to Colossae uh, to minister to them there and tells the Colossians to um, work with him. Uh, I say to you that even in our disputes, we ought to seek to ultimately reconcile. We, we ought to seek to put those disputes behind us and put the work of God and people before our own pettiness and before our own limited decisions. Uh, but seek to uphold both standards, uh, ministering faithfully the word of God, standing on principle and caring about people and wanting to, to minister to them and to restore them. Sometimes it's hard to reconcile those two things, always. But ultimately, they ought to come together. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for this, this portion of Scripture. I pray you would help us, Lord, as I'm sure there are times when disputes could easily arise. And we are people that have different personalities. We see things differently. Uh, we have different values. Uh, we have different standards. We have different backgrounds. And we have different ways of relating to people. But Lord, uh, help us to be gracious with one another. Help us to understand one another. Help us to love people and stand on the truth and principles of your word. Help us to work these things out in ways that disputes don't come. But Lord, when we step on each other's toes and when there are disputes, help us to reconcile. Help us to come back together. Help us to learn and profit. And uh, Lord, may your work go forward, even as it did on this occasion, both in the life of Mark and the life of Paul and in your church. Uh, may that be true. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, and you are dismissed.